This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. Where shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an awful kid. All real man. Love is, is Love. too weak a word. I loathe you. I loathe you. I love you. I did as you saw. Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it, remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight, Best Picture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 52 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Matt Neglia, and joining me today, it is just Mr. Will Mavity. Hello, everybody. Will, you and I are here today to talk about the movie world, not the Game of Thrones world, even though uh, that seems to be all that tonight, anybody can talk very, about. Tonight, we're very, hyped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be pretty insane tonight. Uh, you and I, I think, have remained... Unsullied. Unsullied on the matter? Yes, yes. Um, but we're not here to talk about that, actually. We will have another podcast episode talking about uh, that television show under the experimental podcast that we're doing called Next Best Series. Instead, we are going to be talking about the world of cinema and what has been going on this last week. Um, funny enough, there isn't really so much to talk about. Like, next week's uh, movie slate looks really, really slim, to say the least. Um, it's the last week of the summer. So naturally, you're not going to get something of a high profile. Heck, there haven't even really been any reviews that have posted online for most of the movies coming out. So our typical weekly preview is going to be different. Instead, we're going to be recapping the summer of 2017 on this episode here. And we're going to do that through your fan questions and also talk about any kind of Oscar contenders that have emerged from the season. We have three trailers to also review in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Florida Project, and Molly's Game. So, Will, let's dive right into it. First and foremost, did you happen to see anything this week? I have not. I've been very, very busy, and but I'm, I have a lot to catch up on. Nothing since Ingrid Goes West. And yeah. not to mention, this week was kind of a, other than Logan Lucky, kind of also a tepid weekend for big new releases, so... Yeah. What about you? I know you saw Hitman's Bodyguard. 
No, no, no. That was actually da- um, Daniel Howard who saw it, a new staff writer on the team here. Um, he saw that. I saw Patty Cakes. And Ooh. I also saw a, a, a little film that not many people probably have heard of called Marjorie Prime. And that movie has uh, John Hamm John in Hamm, it. right? Mm-hmm. Gina Davis, who I feel like I haven't seen in eons, you know, and... Um, Tim Robbins is in it. And Mika Levy did the score. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Um, And I'm really, really happy to see her still working, obviously. And also, too, um, Lois Smith is in it as well, uh, acting legend, who uh, played the the role that she plays in the movie um, also on on stage. And it's like a play. You know, it kind of plays out uh, just like a play in many respects. Mm -hmm. Uh, The writing is very intricate complex uh has a lot of layers to it in how we look at humanity and also how technology would probably uh have a perspective on humanity you know i've seen a lot of reviews saying it's probably like the most uh, introspective film on uh humanity since her in many ways oh wow that sounds really interesting yeah yeah it's really good john ham plays like this like hologram computer who um is brought in merely as a means of comfort um because lois's um uh husband has passed away and john ham is kind of like a, a younger version of her husband so even though he can't like touch her interact with her or anything like that he could still communicate with her and talk to her and he has to like learn what it was like to be her husband so he could be more like him um and that's supposed to i guess ease our grief once our loved ones have passed sounds like a black mirror episode honestly it it, it is it is in many ways actually and i even saw a review who compared it to that as well so very, very good. I saw it at the premiere in New York, and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Um, Patty Cakes was the other film that, like I said, I saw. And I have to say, like, this movie is very predictable in its storytelling. It hits a lot of familiar beats. Um, I've even heard some people say it's like white girls uh, precious in, in, <laughs> in many ways. But, but the music is so damn good and catchy and the performance by uh, Danielle McDonald in the lead role is so irresistible that the movie just wins you over with its charm. It, it, it's a really, really, really nice little movie that I could see why it was a big hit at Sundance. And I really hope that it does well. I instantly, when the movie was over, wanted to download the soundtrack uh, to my phone. And I can tell you right now that there is a song uh, in the movie that will probably make my end of the year like best song list. I, I like. Do you it think much. it'll be an original song contender? No way. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be that high profile to do so. It would be... It, 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 it would be like, well, you know what? Come Again, 8 Mile did win the Oscar. As did 3-6 uh, Mafia for Hot Out Here for a Pimp. I still remember to this day John Stewart at the Oscars just saying, for those keeping track at home, 3-6 Mafia won, Martin Scorsese, zero. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a great moment. Yeah, it, but um, this is no, no J. Ralph attached, so I guess we... Uh, we can't see a shocking, inexplicable nomination coming. J. Ralph does have, I think, another song this year, or something similar, right? It's Chasing Coral. Um, there's an original song that either is has a hymn attached or a similar producer. Have you heard oh, of that? No, I have not. Okay, yeah, there's, there's another likely original song contender from a documentary that's coming, so keep your ears open for that. 
I definitely will. That sounds very, very interesting, to say the least. Uh, that could be really cool. Um, all right, so that was pretty much a recap of all the things that I saw of this week. Um, so moving on to the next thing, I suppose. Uh, let's talk about this week's uh, poll here. We're going to just breeze along through this episode, it feels like. Kind of like this season of Thrones. Ah! Uh. <laughs> So, um, last week's poll, we asked everybody, which is your favorite Steven uh, Soderbergh movie? And we had a lot of choices. A lot, a lot of choices. Um, So much so that the votes were really all over the place because I gave people the option to vote for two movies. Because uh, Steven Soderbergh's career is just so eclectic and is just all over the map. So, leading the way with 24.39% of the vote... This being your favorite Steven, Sto- uh, Steven, I can't say his name, Steven Soderbergh film. Which do you think, Will, the readers voted on as the best? Traffic? Ocean's Eleven. Ah, uh, that's not surprising. Yeah. I think it should have been Traffic for just pure cinematic merit, but you cannot d- deny the sheer enjoyability of Ocean's Eleven. So if Ocean's Eleven got 24.39% of the vote, in second place with 21.95%. Just missing Ocean's Eleven is traffic. Okay, I was going to say, you people are sick otherwise. <laughs> Guess what came in in third place, though? Uh, third place was also a photo finish between uh, two other movies. Um, with 10.98% of the vote in third place, the fourth place one was 9.76. So 10.98 versus 9.76. What do you think came in third and fourth place? Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich was in fourth place. I'm going to throw in Contagion, maybe, for third. Nope. Third place was out of sight. Oh, wow. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, Che and King of the Hill received zero votes. Everything else had had a vote or two here or there. Side effects got a vote? Yep. Fuck Side yes. effects got four votes. Fuck yes. You people are good. A little, little low, but there are some fans of it out there. So, what do you think of this, that uh, Ocean's Eleven voted uh, favorite Steven uh, Soderbergh film? I I could understand that, because it's, like, kind of, I guess, the easiest watch. Yeah, I I get it. It's not a film that really... I mean, I guess on the level that it showcases, he can work with a lot of actors successfully. It's an impressive feat. I wouldn't say it impresses me from a directorial level the way something like Traffic impresses me. Because Traffic, he's fucking juggling, like, seven storylines and a slew of great actors. Um... Ocean's Eleven simpler. It's more in his Logan Lucky wheelhouse, but it's it's a remarkably entertaining film. It's a uh, a mid-budget adult comedy drama, the likes of which we don't make anymore from the big studios as much, you know. So like I, it's a film that has great rewatch value and one that I certainly enjoy a lot. I wouldn't put it necessarily even in his top three for me. But it's certainly a respectable choice. Yeah, no, definitely so. I, I understand uh, the level of thinking most certainly there. I mean, we also posted our top ten favorite uh, Steven Soderbergh films on the website, and that was like a collective ranking of all of our uh, personal rankings meshed together to form uh, one complete list that was put together by Josh Williams. So shout out to Josh if you're listening right now. Thank you so much, Josh. Um, and this week's poll 
that we're going to have up on the website is going to be asking everybody, what was your favorite movie of the summer of 2017? Now, the summer of 2017, as I believe it, I like to think back to when I was in school, summer started in June. So this disqualifies May. So anything that came out from June till the end of August. Wait, we're going to we're going to keep out May? Yeah, I'm dude, people are still in school in May. Okay, okay. It's not the it's not the summer. I don't know. I, what, I, I don't I know think what Hollywood, you I think to. Hollywood would disagree with that sentiment, but okay. Well, I think Hollywood is releasing blockbuster films now starting in March. If you really want to think about it. Okay, we we, we can do that. Yeah, well, well, not that we can. We are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so from June until August of 2017, it's a, there's a lot of choices to choose from here, a, a, a ton. So much so that I don't even know if I'm going to be able to list all of them. We're, we're, the, the other option is going to definitely get uh, some some clicks here. That's for sure, probably, from a lot of people. But, Will, you know, in talking about the summer of 2017, um, I felt like heading into it. I felt like this year was kind of dry, Personally, I didn't think that we had a lot of really good things to talk about as we headed into it. Uh, there was Logan. There was, you know, Batman Lego movie, uh, John Wick Chapter 2. You know, there wasn't – I mean, Get Out. But, you know, it just felt like the year was kind of oh, yeah. eh. And then as soon as the summer kind of kicked Described in – Described as bleak looking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so but as the summer kind of kicked in, it's like, whoa. We got a lot of really great films that came out this year. And, you know, heading into it even, I wasn't even entirely sure if it was going to pan out that way. I didn't know, based upon the uh, slate, that there was going to be uh, certain movies that would really, really knock our socks off. You know, uh, do you want to tackle this chronologically or do you want to just talk about this generally? Let's do it it chronologically. We might as well for going through the summer. So the first movie of the summer that really kick-started everything off for us in a very big, big way and still continues to resonate to this day, uh, we had Wonder Woman. Which remains one of my favorite blockbusters in some time. Really? Yeah, well, I you know, that's an exaggeration, but I really enjoyed it, you know, as far as superheroes. Okay, certainly the last two years, we'll say. You know, in talking about um, Oscar potential uh, for a lot of these films as well, and also to personal ballots, I still maintain, as of today, right now, um, this is both my personal ballot and if I had an Oscar ballot, if, like, if the Oscars were held today, Gal Gadot would be contending Best Actress, and I think the film's score would also manage to get yeah, a nod as well. Yeah, I really wish the film's score would stick around to get some attention. That It is so epic to listen to. Just big and memorable, the kind we don't get a lot of anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think as it stands now, the film will probably not get any Oscar nominations, ultimately. Um, neither, you know, it might get a sound editing nomination, but like I don't, even something visual effects is not going to happen because that category is just too stacked this year. Yeah. So, yeah, but I I do continue to hope that Gal Gadot will get some love on the critic circle or circuit. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I hear you on that, and I mean this whole this talk about it getting a best picture nomination. I'm not. Uh, I don't buy it. I it just, doesn't. It doesn't have the critical acclaim of a Mad Max Fury Road. It was very well. No, I, I think it does. But yeah, okay. But it, it didn't get like it. That had like the fire proceed going for it. Like, yeah, I. I don't see the picture situation happening. Then again, I also doubted basically up until December, mid December, that Mad Max Fury Road 
ever stood a chance. So I've been wrong before when it comes to a well-reviewed, successful blockbuster. But I think they'll be even less likely to accept a superhero film, particularly one that's not really grounded in reality, than they would have been to accept Mad Max Fury Road. Sure, that's understandable. Um, Let me ask you this question. (laughs) Did you see The Mummy with Tom Cruise? No. Oh, God. (laughs) Did you actually see it? No, I avoided it like the plague. (laughs) Holy shit. I have heard such astounding things. So, Cruise, I mean, I don't really care about spoiling this film for anyone. The only thing to come out of that is that Tom Cruise is going to be the mummy for the the rest of the franchise, right? Like, he gets turned into the mummy at the end, so now Tom Cruise will be playing the mummy. That's the whole reason he was in there. That is so, so stupid. Yeah, it's... (laughs) That is terrible. Apparently, there's a scene where, like, London gets destroyed by an entire sandstorm, and then basically it's just not referenced at all for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I I never, ever want to watch this. I, I don't care. I don't even care to talk about it with you. Moving on, that same weekend, we got one of, one of probably the yes. best films of the year, and that was It Comes at Night. Oh, yeah. I that That's still in my top five for the year so far. I have to say to all the people out there that misunderstood that movie, uh, shame on you. Um, that movie is so well-crafted and is it's not going to you know set the world on fire and be like the greatest thing ever made. But in terms of how it executes its genre conventions, that movie is fucking point. And it's so well acted, too. Schultz's direction, just the general atmosphere, the low-budget cinematography. Yeah, that is a masterclass in filmmaking. Does uh, Schultz make your director lineup? Yes. Yes, right now he does. Yeah, I I have him in there, too. He'll probably stay in my top ten, at least, this year. Yeah, probably. Um, That same weekend, we also had my cousin Rachel. Uh, Did you happen to see that one at all? I did. um, I thought it was thoroughly average. It's it's an interesting story, and you know some of the moral questions it raises towards the end, and kind of, you know, ideas about perception and the male gaze are interesting. Yeah, Rachel Weisz is always good, but there was just nothing really that stood out to me about it. In many ways, I thought its filmmaking felt kind of sloppy, both in the editing and camera work. I, yeah, I. What's that movie that Rachel Weisz has coming out later this year with Colin Firth again? It's called uh, like The Mercy or something like that. Yeah, and then she also has that one with um, Rachel McAdams, right? Where they're mm. two lesbian women uh, yes. in the Orthodox Jewish community. So I mean, like Rachel Weisz got like pretty good notices for this overall, even though the film is you know entirely forgettable. Um, I feel like that could help carry some goodwill over for her if she's making any kind of a play towards the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, having three good performances in a year a la Jessica Chastain never hurts. No. Uh, You know who probably makes my best actress lineup right now? Um, Who I thought was absolutely phenomenal in this movie, despite what I thought of the film's ending? Selma Hayek and Beatrice at dinner. Same. Yeah. Yeah, that film really goes off the rails in its last ten minutes. Oh, my God. I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that one. (laughs) But, like, until then, yeah, I I, I really enjoyed the dialogue. You know, like, it's certainly a very on-the-nose film, but it's executed in a very entertaining fashion. And, like, someone like the Connie Britton character or the John Lithgow character, they're they're assholes, but they, you know, like, they do feel like people that exist, 
it doesn't quite go into the realm of caricature. They're like they're not like overly hateful racists, but they're racists. Yeah, I mean like that's yeah. You experience people like that literally every single day. So yeah, I, I thought I'm not saying you personally, by the way. I'm not saying you affiliate yeah, with racists. Really, I'm just saying racist that like now. in general, <laughs> you know, you're more than likely to interact with somebody who will be arrogant about their own personal views and not realize how condescending they're truly coming off uh, against other people. Yeah, so she's solid in that. I also did like Connie Britton and John Lithgow in it. Is I mean, like it's it's a good cast overall. I'd probably put it in my, you know, if we did an ensemble award, I'd probably have it in my personal lineup for that right now too. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It wasn't a good summer mo- uh, summer season for. It was not a good summer season for animated films. And you never say that because that's usually the bread and butter of the summer box office. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people were hoping that uh, Cars Three could you know come around and be uh something special where its two predecessors were not and while i personally do believe that cars 3 is the best of the three cars films that are that's out there that's a pretty low b- bar yeah it's still not amazing i think i gave it like a 6 out of 10 you know which is respectable but it's not amazing and it's the lowest grossing or the, it's their second lowest grossing film ever wow which is astonishing you know like given the the adjusted for inflation factor it should be at least able to fight some of those from like 15 years ago yeah no it basically crashed and burned now this was a really rough patch uh in the summer for a lot of people you had rough night which you know kind of went either way for some people um all eyes on me was a disaster of a film that should have been on television on like lifetime it was so bad uh, 47 meters down wasn't anything special. The Book of Henry, oh my Christ. <laughs> oh my God, I I still, still hate this movie so much. Um, do you think this has anything to do with why Disney brought on another screenwriter for Star Wars? Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> they, saw, they saw that they're like, oh fuck. We're not going to replace you as director, but we're going to do our best to keep you in check. Because that was... Oh, and then Transformers: The Last Night. I, I I want to apologize to anyone that spent money on that. I I personally did not because I've I've given up on this franchise. I don't care anymore. Even if they release <laughs> one in the future that's good and actually gets some decent critical acclaim, I I refuse to support it moving forward at this point. Also, too, because I haven't seen the fourth one, Age of Extinction. Now I haven't seen this one, so I'm kind of out of the loop now in terms of the story i guess yeah i was not gonna bother with that one and uh, to the point that you know they're not even tech players at the academy is technically as impressive they are you know like yeah. i think the the last one didn't even make the short list for visual effects so yeah the academy has just moved on at this point um and good for them for doing so but then we had uh, a one-two punch of some pretty decent films that we were really much looking forward to that then came out, and that was Sofia Coppola's The Beguiled and Michael Showalter's film The Big Sick. Woo! I know, right? Um, you know, you were talking before about ensembles, and um, while I would also probably, I would probably throw in It Comes at Night in my ensemble yes, category. absolutely. I would definitely also throw into my own personal ensemble category the, the, the team on the, on the Beguiled. I thought that all the ladies and uh, Colin Farrell did really excellent work here, but neither one of them was really like a standout. And mm-hmm. I know people tried making that happen like early on, like everyone With was Nicole like, "Oh, Kidman. yeah, Nicole," or maybe Kirsten Dunst could contend supporting actress. Like people were talking in those terms, it just was never really going to 
pan out that way. Do you see the Beguiled getting anything come the Oscars, like realistically no. speaking? I think it'll get like a cinematography prize from something random like the Central Ohio Film Critics or something. <laughs> y- y- you know, but like, no. I, I And Sofia Coppola will probably get one or two Best Director mentions, but nothing major. I could see it getting a Golden Globe for uh, Sofia, a nomination. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I, I could see this film getting maybe that Globes push, but uh, it never goes any further than that, probably. I, I think it could get one nomination, though, somewhere in the text. Just just one lone tech nomination. Costume design or... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, I, I think I, I will say this. It's in, my, it's in my cinematography lineup. I think it's going to end up being too distant and too small, both in its, you know, its release date and then in its scale to really be remembered come Oscar time, but we can hope. We can. We can certainly hope. Uh, the big sick, though. On the other hand, I think will absolutely show up throughout the season. You do? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that although it it was definitely a big pop culture hit, I don't know that it ended up being the phenomenon box office wise that some people were hoping it would be after the word of mouth it had going in but it's very well reviewed you know and pretty much everybody who saw it liked it i think it still will absolutely be a screenplay contender and i think that holly hunter will absolutely stay in the conversation for a nomination so maybe even ray romano like it's you know i i I th- I'm not confident about it getting a Best Picture nomination because I think it needed to make a little bit more money. Like, if it had become a $100 million grosser, which some people predicted it would, I think that would be absolutely something that would occur. But yeah, I think we'll still see it a lot. And certainly, you know, like, it's going to kick ass at the Globes and it might even get a SAG Ensemble nomination. So it'll it'll stay in the game. That would be amazing if it was able to get a resurrection at SAG and push it uh, forward to, even if it was just two nominations, screenplay and best picture, that would be incredible. Like, yeah. absolutely amazing. And I would be so happy for the team that worked on that movie. Um, you know, my big thing with original screenplay right now is I don't feel like there's room for both The Big Sick and Get Out in the same category. Yeah. Now, you might think so, but... If one of those films had to get in, realistically, which film do you think has a better chance of getting in right now? It's Get Out. Mm. Because Get Out... You know, like, I I prefer The Big Sick as a film. I think Get Out, though, has taken on such a life of its own in the pop culture lexicon that it'll it'll show up on a lot of ballots. Yeah. You know, like, it came out in February, and it still gets referenced every week. Yeah, that's true. We're still talking about it to this day. I, I can definitely understand that and see how we're talking more about that and less about the Big Sick now. Big Sick really needs some sort of a final resurgence and a push. But Big Sick could very well show up at WGA. Um, it could show up in a couple of places, which very well could help it. But then again, Jordan Peele's probably going to win DGA for first-time debut director, if anything, you know, or something along those lines. So... Both these films, uh, even though they came out uh, relatively early in the year, are probably going to get some sort of a resurgence to see. Now, a film that not many people are talking about in terms of its Oscar potential for this year, but they damn well should be in the text at least. Mm-hmm. Baby, Baby Driver. Driver. 
Well, and, you know, like, we, we talked about this back when the film came out. I still feel confident that it gets a sound nomination. Yeah, oh, yeah, sound editing or mixing, or both? Uh, maybe both, but I think sound mixing is the more likely one. Yeah, I'm of the belief that sound mixing, and to be very honest with you, Will, I really still think this could show up in film editing. Oh, I agree. I mean, like, you still see things like the Bourne Ultimatum show up in there for nominations. I absolutely think it could get a nomination there because it just is so flashy. And this is a film that, you know, like, was a breakout hit. It was a mid-budget adult drama that broke $100 million, And Hollywood loves things like that. So if, if they do really any kind of campaign, I think it'll show up in both those categories. And I'd be very happy if it did so. I know people are, are really hoping that Edgar Wright can get some love and best director. And That's while I happen. see critics possibly going for him i don't see that panning out in the long run with the industry yeah that's not gonna happen yeah what about okja showing up in best visual effects i don't think that'll happen either as lifelike as the creature is you know there's still some inconsistencies in the visual effects work and that was a film i feel like kind of like people liked it it got talked about a lot for like a week and then just completely dropped off the planet yeah I, it was well received, but I don't hear anyone still talking about it. You know, one film that uh, it's like a tiny little film that not many people have seen that I, I had the pleasure of uh, seeing was uh, The Little Hours with Alison Brie, Dave Franco, Aubrey Plaza, John C. Riley. Like it was like a bunch of people. And um, that's a comedy film that is really ridiculous um, and is absurd in many cases, but it's truly hysterical. Um, I really recommend people to check that out if it ever comes uh, around to uh, video or anything like that and they have a chance to pick it up. Uh, that's definitely not playing in theaters anymore, but criminally underseen film. Very, very funny. I just wanted to throw a mention out there for it. Um, heading into July now. Your favorite, one of your favorite films of the year, am I right? It, it's not even so much that. It's like July is where the summer like took a huge turn and, and it was like, I got to a point where I'm like giving every single movie every single week a 9 out of 10, an 8 out of 10. I almost considered a 10 out of 10 for, Ooh. I think, two movies at a certain point. You know, the first weekend that we had, we had the release of a Ghost Story and Spider-Man Homecoming. Th that alone is like, That's a holy great weekend. crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. you have your art house prestige pick with your summer blockbuster movie that's very typical. That, to be honest with you, Spider-Man Homecoming um, might just be, in answering a question that we received um, from, uh, oh, actually, no, we didn't receive this as a question. What am I saying? Uh, I received the opposite question of what was your biggest disappointment of the summer movie season. Spider-Man Homecoming is probably the biggest surprise of the summer movie season for me. Yeah, I could see that. Like, it certainly is above average as far as superhero films go modern superhero films and in particularly because it seemed hard to do something new with a franchise that's on its third reboot in 15 years um but yeah i i expected a lot to go wrong with this film even if i thought it would still be successful you know focusing so much on tony stark and trying to tie it into the avengers but, like, it's got heart. It's not It's not only that. Like, Will, I'm not kidding when I say this. I think it's the second best Spider-Man film behind Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I actually would agree. Yeah. 
and and it's it's just as good in my opinion. I, no, Spider Man th- Spider Man Two is something special. I think that they hit all the right notes in Homecoming. I really truly do. Like you you were talking about Tony Stark and the Avengers before. They found the perfect mix to incorporate that into the story, but not have that overshadow the story where we went on like kind of a a plot detour with it. Like it all made perfect sense to me why that was a part of the story and they also kept the film it was grounded. not the Avengers 2 the villain was uh, extremely realistic and it wasn't like some sort of a demigod or anything like that you know what I mean uh, Michael Keaton I thought played it very very well and there's a scene in the movie where um, the film kind of takes a turn and in those moments Michael Keaton is downright frightening you know yeah, I mean, he he wasn't given as much to work with as I hoped, but he's still a more memorable and slightly more fleshed out villain than we've had since Loki, yeah. I would say. Oh, yeah. You know, like, saying you're the second best Marvel movie villain isn't, uh, isn't a huge compliment, but it is a compliment. Yeah. Now, did you see a ghost story? No, I, I am going to see that before it leaves theaters. It's still in several out here, and I'm going to make sure I check it out. But I am dying to, and I've been jamming to the soundtrack for weeks. It is a miracle movie. It really is. Um, a movie that could get me to think about life on an existential level and also like really have this insane ability to make me feel like after the movie is over that I read like a tremendously long like essay on the meaning of life in general, <laughs> you know, or talk to some sort of a philosophy professor for like an hour and get to hear him like lecture on like the meaning of life, what, whatever the case may be. Like, I feel like I got an encompassing experience that is one that um, when you're thinking about the enormity of the universe of life and death and time and all these grand themes that sometimes are so big in nature that you can't wrap your mind around for a film to be able to give you a gateway into being able to do that that is truly something special at least to me god that sounds so interesting and if it's pulled off in a non-pseudo-intellectual way like oh I, I think it's one of the best films of the year. I, I think David Lowry knocked it out of the park here. And I remember, because I, I, I totally remember there was an episode when the trailer dropped and I said something like, oh, this could, you know, get an uh, original screenplay uh, nomination. You, you don't know. And Michael and you kind of like wrote me off and you guys were like, yeah, right. There's no way. Um, I'll admit right now there is no way. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. not gonna happen. Yeah, but that does not mean that the screenplay is in any way, shape, or form terrible. If anything, it's David Lowry's direction that really is to stand out here, and his his vision in general. So I, I can't wait for you to see it. Will you gotta you gotta text me when you get I, you know you get I think we'll bond over this one. It sounds like a film I'll really like. Yeah. A week following that. Matt Reeves capped off his uh, Planet of the Apes uh, trilogy, starting off with uh, Rupert Everett uh, with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. But Reeves also directed Dawn of the Planet, Dawn of the Planet for the Apes, and now we have War for the Planet of the Apes. Quite quite a mouthful of uh, titles there, and I remember saying early on in the year that I was going to campaign super hard for Hugh Jackman to get a Best Actor nomination for Logan. <laughs> fucking Andy Serkis man comes along oh my god and he gives an even better 
lead actor performance and something that just truly blew me away that he's now my personal project that when we get into um, the season in a couple weeks time that is a performance that I am going to constantly bring up I'm not going to let people forget about it and I'm going to do my part to make sure that he gets closer than he's ever gotten before to getting some sort of recognition because my god if there was anyone that deserves it it's him oh yeah no, and it, again, it's not going to happen. Well, come on! <laughs> the critic, yeah, so honestly, at the end of the day, there's still too many old guard best actor... You know, like, I, there's too many old guard Academy voters who will be unwilling to embrace what they deem as a bit of cheating. Whether or not it is, and we've seen behind-the-scenes footage that shows how much that performance is circus, doesn't matter. I mean, the... They, I mean, he did well in 2011. He got a he got a Critics' Choice Supporting Actor nomination. I mean, like, this narrative has been around, you know, now for six years, and they're just not going for it. And I'm gonna push for it too. I agree, it's deserved. I'm just telling you, it's not gonna happen. And it doesn't help that the film ended up underperforming at the box office. You know, like I I think audiences were unwilling to go for something that slow and meditative as you know complex a film as it was so i i you also gotta remember it also came out like kind of sandwiched in between two very very big films you know yeah. spider-man homecoming and then uh the next film that we'll be talking about as well so it didn't really get a lot of time to really get any breathing room yeah so i agree i'll be behind him the whole season long i'm just telling you brace yourself for disappointment that's fine that's cool. And all I'm going to say is third time was a charm for Lord of the Rings. That's all I'm saying. And we never thought the Academy would ever embrace fantasy. Yeah, but it had, it had, okay, it, it, that, that's not comparable. Fuck it. Keep going on. <laughs> okay, so now, one thing that we can agree upon, the surefire Oscar hit of the summer, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Yeah. What more can we say about this that hasn't already been said? I, I agree, but uh, just to reiterate, we think it's going to show up in a fuck ton of categories. Certainly in the text and in picture. Almost certainly director for Nolan. Not wins, but nominations. I don't see it happening uh, for... I, I and Yo, you guys made fun of me for this, but I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to say it again. Uh, Mark Rylance does not get in the supporting actor. Yeah, I honestly, you know, like, back when you got into it with, like, Sasha Stone and people online... I hadn't seen the film. Having seen the film, he's good. He's a good presence. I don't see it happening either. No. You know, I, 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 think, I think people were caught up in the excitement and emotion on Twitter the first week after it came out, the same way people were saying, we think Wonder Woman will get in for Best Picture. And back in 2009, when Star Trek came out and everyone shit their pants, people predicted a bunch of above-the-line noms for that for like two weeks. And then people were like, wait, that's not going to happen. I think it's the same thing with him. Unless Dunkirk becomes our best picture frontrunner, which I don't think it will, it's not happening. No, it's it's not. And and that's not a knock against Ryan Lance or anything like that. It's nothing personal here, people. I'm just saying that the performance is not... It's nothing special. It's the best in the movie. And I think... I, I truly do believe it. I said this on Twitter and people called me out for it. I think that people are kind of iffy on the film's like overall like oscar uh prospects like they're they're kind of worried it might miss picture they're worried that nolan might miss best director uh they're worried that the film will underperform and 
thinking or getting the conversation started about an actor possibly getting in and because the actors are the largest voting branch of the academy to me it almost came off like well if it has the support of the actors then it will be able to get in elsewhere and i think that's why people were trying to make it happen whether they thought of this in as much detail as i laid it out or not subconsciously i think people wanted to have an acting nomination tied to it to help secure its spot more so because they love the film that much and that and that's fine and maybe I'm reading into it the wrong way, but that's how it came off to me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. With that said, I don't think it needs it in order to get in. I think it's I think it's in. <laughs> I think Nolan's going to get that director nomination. Yeah, I, I very much agree. I do think it does not stand a chance at winning unless it gets an acting nomination. Yeah, and I don't think it gets screenplay. No, I, absolutely not. Yeah, no. Um Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets that kind of came and went. Um, I never saw it. <laughs> Girls Trip though um, is supposedly the unexpected comedy hit of the summer. Which yeah, I saw it. It's good, not great. I thought, but it was you know like good for them for making a uh, female-led comedy entirely of people of color. Like, and I'm, I'm glad it found success. Uh, I I thought it was funny. You know, it, it didn't blow me away, but I'm glad it's making money. Good. A uh, question from Matt St. Clair at FilmGuy619. What was your biggest disappointment for the summer movie season? Uh, that is my next choice here, talking chronologically, and that is Atomic Blonde. Mm. I was very let down by this movie uh, based upon its marketing material and how awesome I thought it looked. And I know some people that are defending it and still think it's fantastic. I personally thought it was a mess. Uh, Plot-wise, I thought that the film was way too in love with itself in terms of its uh, choice of camera angles, use of very well-known music that's going to get audiences pretty pumped. I just thought it was manipulative in in that regard. Um, But, hey, you know what? To each his own. Uh, This film just wasn't for me, I suppose. Yeah, I I never saw it. I still intend to check it out. But you're not alone being disappointed from a lot of the people I've talked to. Yeah. Uh, the Emoji Movie came and Don't went. Don't even mention it. Don't yep. even mention no, okay, it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power, could contend for documentary, possibly. Yeah. I, uh, we'll see. I don't think it's going to win like uh, like its uh, predecessor did a couple years ago, but no. it's in there. Does that make you feel old when we say it's a couple years ago and we realize it was 11 years ago? Moving on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Catherine Bigelow's Detroit. I I really want to see that still. You know, like, that is one that I have seldom seen a film be as heavily predicted in recent years and then have people switch their predictions around so quickly. Like, a lot of people up basically until it got released, certainly throughout the first third of the year, had it predicted as something that could even win Best Picture. And, you know, now I see most people are predicting it for, like, a lone sound editing nomination. I am one of those people. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's, it's, and it also performed poorly at the box office. It's a, it hurts. It's, it's a shame, yeah, but... It really hurts. It's one of my favorite films of the year, and I think it's one of the best films I've seen this year, personally. I am not going to get into the conversation about this movie. I think that we did that enough in other episodes and also in our main review of this, which everyone can listen to if they want to get um, my full thoughts on the movie here. But 
Yes, um, it does hurt that in the first, uh, kind of like with people like talking about Dunkirk, you know, getting really excited about it in its first couple weeks of release. Um, I was predicting this for a lot of categories, and now, as of today, if it gets a lone sound editing nomination, I mean, good for them, because at this point, they're looking at a shutout, and that's very sad. Um, you know it's not really sad, though? A film that uh, a, ver- a very small independent film called Brigsby Bear. Which, I'm dying to see that. Oh my gosh, I love this movie. I adored this movie. You wrote your first subjective review. Yeah, my first ever subjective review I ever wrote because I truly felt like this movie was made for me. Like, and I never ever really say that, but I felt like if there's a movie that encapsulates my personality, who I am as a human being, and how I view and love cinema. This is it. This is this is the movie. So if you never got a chance to see Brigsby Bear, I really, really recommend that you check it out. Then again, though, I mean, that's coming from a purely subjective point of view. So uh, who knows? But I'm very curious to know what you all think of it if you do get a chance to see it. And my review, uh, like Will said, subjective, purely, uh, can also be read on the website for it. Uh, the Dark Tower. Yeesh. <laughs> Oh man! Oh God! Poor McConaughey. This is this is where like it's like July was so amazing, and then August came and just landed with a huge dud. <laughs> oh my God! Save for like one or two movies in here, like August has just been bad. Oh savage! Oh man, it's been terrible, absolutely terrible. Oh my God! Um, one of the good movies that came out though uh, was Wind, uh, Wind River. With uh, Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olsen, directed and written by Taylor Sheridan. Um, Jeremy Renner gives his best performance since The Town. And I don't think it's as good as Sicario or Hell or High Water, but I think it's very solid and good enough. It's not going to make my top 10 or anything like that for this year. But if anyone's looking for an adult you know, crime drama that's uh, thoughtful, contemplative, and very, very mature... I really, really recommend this. Great score, too. I've been listening to a lot of Nick Cave and Warren Ellis's music from that recently, and it's... I really... It's not going to be for this film. They really, really, really need to get a nomination soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they should They should already have two, personally. Yes. Definitely. Glass Castle. Woody Harrelson. Mm. Do you think he can rise above nope. those reviews? No. Absolutely not. I think... This isn't a Lovely Bone situation where it opened late in the year and he was having such an undeniably strong year they couldn't ignore it. I mean, he has, you know, he has Planet of the Apes, but that's not the same kind of acclaim for his performance. Nope, I think this film came and went and it's pretty much gone. That's that's unfortunate. Um, I, I still think there's a chance. Because I do think it's his, it's in his top three best work he's ever done. Well, if I'm wrong, then you get to point this episode out and make me look stupid. But with all the other veterans who are contending, like the Willem Dafoe's and maybe Steve Buscemi's, I think there's not room for him. Okay. Uh, another little independent film that I saw that I really, really enjoyed and I really recommend people to check out is Good Time. Yeah, people are obsessed with that online. I really want to see that. It has Robert Pattinson's best performance by far. Damn. So I, for that reason alone, I think people should check that one out. Uh, you and I both saw this one, Will, and 
I think it's my favorite female lead performance of the year, and that's Aubrey Plaza in Ingrid Goes West. Oh, she's so good in that. Yeah, it's it's a it is a weird film, but and it gets a little messy in its third act. But yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Ingrid Goes West. Yeah, it's it it also made me feel just very uncomfortable <laughs> in what it said about our social media culture. I was like, ah. My hobby involves a podcast that is entirely social media based. But uh, I don't think she will obviously contend at all in any kind of Oscar consideration no, for it. No. But that is not discounting how truly outstanding she is in this movie, though. Yeah, and she'll show up in a few places in the circuit. I have no doubt. And then uh, last movie of the summer that you know is pretty much worth talking about here. Uh, Steven Soderbergh's Logan Lucky. Have you had a chance to see it yet? No, but I will. It looks hilarious. I'm very excited for a great comedy like that. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly. I'm very, I, I, I mean, like, I, I saw it, like, what, two and a half weeks ago or something? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very light, breezy, entertaining, good time at the movies. Um, if you want, you can definitely check out our review of that, which we just posted um, as of this recording yesterday on Saturday. So uh, you can get my full thoughts on it over there. And that pretty much wraps up the summer movie season for us here. Uh, a couple of uh, other questions that we received regarding uh, the summer movie season. Will, this one is from Matthew Fisher, Couch Potato, NVP. Was there a film this summer you wanted to like more than you did? You know, I think an example would be Baby Driver. I really enjoyed Baby Driver. The way people hyped up Baby Driver, I thought it was going to be something truly extraordinary. And instead, it would probably be my fourth favorite Edgar Wright film, which, you know, is is not a knock on it. It's very, you know, he's made pretty much consistently great films. And I'm glad a film like Baby Driver was made. You know, technically it stunned me. But I I was a little bit underwhelmed that there wasn't more to it. And I thought it did really kind of go off the rails in its third act. It's, you know, so it's it's a film I really like that don't love that I, it was my most anticipated film of the year. I wanted to love it. Yeah, I, I would say for me in answering that question, it's got to be Wind River. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I wanted to give it an 8 out of 10 or even a 9 out of 10, but I just couldn't do it. And a lot of that has to do with Taylor Sheridan's direction on the movie. And I don't think that the film has outstanding cinematography compared to what we got in films like Hell or High Water or Sicario. Um, I would say that like those films are just more technically well-polished and well-put-together and are prettier to look at than this one is. But the writing, the quality of the writing is still just as strong. I mean, his writing is really, really so fantastic. You, you think if like a Denis Villeneuve had directed this, this could have been like something really big? Yeah, definitely. 100%. I think that Dinny would have found a very creative way to shoot the snowy landscapes in a manner that um, would have been distinctive and very uh, original and different. Where this film, it, as I was watching it, it almost came off as like a like a '90s crime drama and just how kind of bland it was, you know, in term like visually, you know what I mean. Like yeah. it doesn't have the pol- the polished look of a 2017 film, I guess you could say. And mm-hmm. people could complain at, at me, you know, on social media or whatever that I'm wrong about this. Uh, but I don't know. That was just the way I, I, I felt like in regards to it. And then the final question here from at uh, Ronnie Howlett 3. That's Ronnie Castle on Twitter. Will, what was your favorite movie of the summer? The Big Sick, hands down. Nice. Nice. 
I would say my favorite was Detroit. Uh, mm, I don't know. Maybe not Detroit. Dunkirk. I would say Dunkirk. Dunkirk's the only movie this year I've seen twice. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that was like a habitual thing with you seeing films multiple times. Uh, I don't have time. <laughs> I just don't have the time. I see Matt so and I much. are both deeply in the working world now, and it's it's a game changer. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's really hard to find time to even see the movies I want to see. You know, I um or even write the reviews and do all the work that I do. God damn it, do, do, I do a lot. You know. So. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And listeners, thank you for supporting Matt's endeavors and doing all that. <laughs> thank you, Will, for saying uh, thank you on my behalf. Um, <sighs> that'll pretty much recap the summer of 2017 for us here and our thoughts on it. Unless, if Will, if you have any other final thoughts before we go into our trailers. Yeah, I, I think we it's I was reading the tracking board today saying that this is going to probably end up being the lowest domestic summer financially in a decade, in more than a decade actually, which is unfortunate. You know, we did have some pleasant surprises and I think maybe this summer was a little more satisfying than the also disappointing last summer. Yeah, I, I would say it was. We we had we had some very good films come out of this summer. I couldn't necessarily say that about last summer. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's two summers in a row that kind of let me down. Well, let's look ahead to the future now with some of these trailers for some films that will be coming out uh, pretty soon. Actually, some of these have October uh, release dates and so on and so forth. First film that we're going to check out here is going to be the trailer for the Aaron Sorkin directorial debut, also written by the Academy Award winner, starring Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba. This is Molly's Game. I'm Molly Bloom. Do you know about me? I read your indictment after I got your call last night, and I bought your book. Do you understand that you are charged with operating an illegal gambling business? Are you taking me on as a client? I don't think I can convince my partners to take a flyer on the poker princess. If you think a princess can do what I did, you're incorrect. I'm getting that you don't think much of me, but what if every single one of your ill-informed, unsophisticated opinions about me were wrong? I'd be amazed. This is a true story, but except for my own, I've changed all the names. Hey, Molly, my weekly poker game is moving to the Cobra Lounge. You'll help run it. I was in a room with movie stars, directors, and business titans. They were going all in, all the time. Thank you, Molly. This is for you. Thank you so much. I'm gonna stop paying you as my assistant. You firing me? I'm not firing you, I'm just gonna stop paying you. You get paid once a week from the game, it doesn't seem fair. You're gonna stop paying me because I'm making too much money doing my second job, and if I say no, I'll lose both jobs because it doesn't seem fair? You don't have bargaining power here. You are unimportant. Do you know how many witches were burned in Salem? How many? None. They didn't burn witches, it's a myth, they hanged them. The humiliation had given way to blinding anger at my powerlessness. I wasn't gonna wait before I put a plan in place. I'll be hosting a game in this suite every Tuesday night. First buy-in, 250000 That's gonna make noise. Let's play. We spent eight years in Hollywood and two years in New York running the world's most exclusive and decadent man cave. Have you seen the other names in your indictment? Come on, Marty, just out deep into the Russian mob. Where are you? Your exposure's crazy. You got 2.8 million on the street right now. You're gonna get blown up. You managed to build a multi-million dollar business using not much more than your wits. I'm about to be charged in federal court. Well, nobody's perfect. There's a new offer on the table. 
Complete immunity. We hand over the hard drives. You've seen what's on those hard drives. Families, lives, careers will be ruined. Why are you in this alone? Where are the people you're protecting by not telling the whole story? I'll tell them everything they want to know about me. About me. That's it. Okay, Will, what do you think here? I mean, I've been saying now for the first, I don't know, couple of months here that I think Jessica Chastain is potentially our Best Actress Oscar winner. I do not think from looking at that trailer that this is Jessica Chastain's Oscar winning vehicle. Um, it, it might be a tremendous success. She might get nominated. She might not. The Best Actress field is an interesting one. I But honestly, just as a film overall, this looks like something that's entertaining and I don't see it really going near the Oscars for the most part. You know, like Sorkin might pull off some impressive direction. It certainly looks kinetic and fast-paced. But, you know, it, it it felt very 21-ish to me, honestly. Just in general, everything about it reminded me of the film 21. Beyond just the subject matter, also the way it's cut, shot, etc., etc. So, I think it'll be solid. I don't think this is going to be considered one of Sorkin's better efforts. So you think that it's potentially possible that this film is like a cross between Miss Sloan and 21, basically? Yeah, that's actually, I got a lot of that with a little of The Wolf of Wall Street thrown in there. And only one of those films went anywhere near the Oscars. So. And, you don't, and you don't think Aaron Sorkin's writing is also a contender? You know, adapted screenplay looks to be a bit of a wasteland as far as what's getting nominated this year. So it's not outside the realm of possibility, you know, like... He's, he's shown up in the past, but clearly they don't feel compelled to nominate everything he does, given that Steve Jobs shockingly missed out a couple years back. I still can't believe that. Yeah. So, you know, like, I'm not sure that even though they've given him an Oscar, they have necessarily a love affair with Aaron Sorkin. Um, no, I, th- I think this is probably like a November fun popcorn film. If it makes a lot of money, then I'll reevaluate. But right now, it's something I look forward to seeing, not something I have high in my predictions. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about uh, the first of the A24 trailers that we received this week. Um, this one is Yorgos Lanthimos' uh, follow-up to The Lobster, starring Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman. This one is called The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, I'm really sorry about Bob. It's nothing serious. No, it is. Like we're the stars of the human race, human race. Where did you two go? When the lights started out, they don't know what they heard. Strike the match, playing loud, giving love to the world. How did his father die? A surgeon never kills a patient. An anesthesiologist can kill a patient, but a surgeon never can. Don't be scared, Mom. You'll see. You won't be able to move either. So get used to it. Where is she? What did you do to her? I don't understand why I should have to pay the price. Why my children should have to pay the price. It's the only thing I can think of as close to justice. We can light it up, up, up. So they can put it out, out, out. 
Well, Lanthimos is certainly one of the most unique directors working right now, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I deliberately did not read any advanced reviews for this movie. I don't know what this movie is about. I want to go into this as cold as humanly possible. And I'm so glad that the trailer um, was exactly that. It didn't let on to what this movie is about. And it just has this eerie, surreal, odd feel to it. And uh, that uh, was Ellie Goulding, the song Burn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just has such a haunting quality to it. Yeah, The way it spins in there. Oh man, I was I was really really excited while watching this. Visually too, it looks it looks so visually um, spellbinding. Is the yeah, word I would I, use. and you know, like he showed us with the lobster, he's got a great eye. I'm not surprised, but this looks yeah, just incredibly immersive and haunting. Yeah, you know, you said you avoided reviews. I won't tell you much about it. It got good, not stellar reviews. But certainly above average reviews, it currently sits at like a 74 on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I you know, I don't think this will be an Oscar contender. You know, some people are going to try to push for Kidman. From what I've heard, this is not a role that she's really going to get in oh, to contention for. That's but sad. It, yeah, but you know, like as good of a year as she's had, maybe she will. I think this is probably her best shot of anything she has. But yeah, it... it it looks entertaining. It looks eerie, you know, like it's certainly a feast for the eyes. So I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so we don't think that this could also land in screenplay either. I don't I don't think so. It, it would be original, right? And we've already talked about how stacked that field is. Yeah, that's true. That's a good that's a good point. Um, and it looks to be very odd as well. Um, I think that's going to scare audiences off a lot more. So it might do well opening wise because of the goodwill from the lobster. But long term, uh, it's possible it could scare audiences away potentially. So, but I, I think it looks absolutely incredible. Like this, this looks pretty. This looks like it has everything I want in cinema. You know, it's got an auteur director. Um, you know, two actors that I, I, I'm a big fan of. Visually uh, stunning um, and an original idea that I don't know anything about. But I have to assume that if it's anything as original as Dog Two for the Lobster, um, it's gonna knock me on on my ass. So that that that's reason alone for me to be excited. And then finally, uh, from A24 as well, we have Sean Baker's uh, follow-up to Tangerine. Uh, the film is called The Florida Projects, uh, Florida Project, not The Projects. Um, and it is starring Willem Dafoe in a, in a role that a lot of people are saying could possibly bring him another Oscar nomination and even a win. Let's check this one out. Okay, I warned you. One drip and you're out. Oh, come on! Out now. It's going to melt outside. It's melting inside, too. But, Bobby... Out. Thank you very much. You're not welcome. The man who lives in here gets arrested a lot. These are the rooms we're not supposed to go in. But let's go anyway. <laughs> Could you give us some change, please? The doctor said we have asthma and we gotta eat ice cream yeah. right away. Here you go. Hey, Lee, we got a situation here. Open up. It's only second week of the summer, and there's already been a dead fish in the pool. We're trying to get it back alive. And water balloons thrown at tourists. Boobies! Boobies! I failed as a mother, Moni. Yeah, Mom, you're a disgrace. New job? Yeah. If you're working, 
Who's looking after mommy? You're not my father. I don't want to be your you father. You can't treat me like this. You don't think everybody knows what's up, Haley? Everybody. She's about to cry. I can always tell when adults are about to cry. Where is my mommy? I'm like just talking. They gotta figure something out. So what do you think here, Will? You think it's happening for Willem Dafoe? You know, I think it could. It's uh, it's certainly a very atypical performance for him. Having Willem Dafoe hasn't played a good guy since what Platoon. Like, <laughs> you, you, you know, like honestly, that in itself makes it a standout. And he looks endearing here. He looks funny. I I'm waiting to see if he's got like a big scene, you know, like if there is a big emotional scene in there. We can't tell that from the trailers, or if he's just a warm presence. But like last year, Mahershala Ali was fantastic, but he didn't have, and actually neither did Mark Rylance the year before. Like the big scene that people usually rely on for uh, seeing if someone's gonna win. So you know, honestly, maybe his overdue narrative enough, and if the film continues to be acclaimed could get it in there and it looks like a blast like as a film it looks incredibly just cute and entertaining great use of colors yes um, the rainbow shot whew. not only that too but just the uh florida florida has been known to have like very colorful um painted um exteriors and it looks like it's definitely utilizing that very very oh, yeah. well so the cinematography looks uh very very unique in its look here um I was not aware that this was more of a supporting ask uh, actor nomination for Defoe because uh, I had heard some people talk about how he might contend in lead. No, but after really watching this trailer, I am seeing the focus being placed more so on the kids. So this is, um, I guess, a film told from their perspective. Yeah, it kind of beats the Southern Wild esque. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting, and could definitely uh, be a film that maybe even contends in other areas outside of supporting actor for Defoe. I mean... Oh, I, I think there's a world where this gets in for... Uh, this gets a picture nomination as well. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see with this one. Um, I'm very, very excited for it. That trailer definitely uh, did a lot to get me excited. All right, Will, take us away with some news for this week, man. What do you, what do you have? All right, so this week we have... Uh, Jason Hall, the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of American Sniper, is finally signed on to direct, I think like after two years, that uh, that George Washington biopic called The Virginian that sparked a bidding war a couple years ago. Um, so from what I've heard, despite having sparked a bidding war, that is a very not good script. Like, apparently there's a scene where uh, Washington rips off his jacket and looks at the camera and goes, red was never my color anyway. Mm. And um, the cherry tree incident is just referred to as something that happened, as opposed to apocryphal. So I'm not sure I see that being a big Oscar contender, but I I haven't read it myself, and I'm going off other people's opinions on that front. Uh, And, you know, American Sniper made a shit ton of money last time around, so with another kind of patriotic story. So who knows? 
Um, Channing Tatum is starring in a film called Bloodlines that is not starring Ben Mendelsohn, um, which involves an FBI agent embedded in the cartel who was operating a money laundering operation through high stakes horse racing. You know, like, doesn't sound like an oscar film, but sounds like it could be kind of a fun mid-budget thriller. Yeah. So Channing Tatum's attached to that. Um, Tom Holland has joined a World War II film that's based on a really popular book right now called Beneath a Scarlet Sky. I haven't read it, but it's one of the only books I've ever seen on Amazon that has a full five stars. And it has, like, it has you know, like, 7,000 reviews. So that uh, presumably the source material is good if it's that loved, which also means if that many people came to bat for the book, they'll probably turn out for the film, a la Unbroken. Um, so Tom Holland continues to make good creative choices, and who knows, maybe that'll end up being the film. That I, I think it's uh, it's about like a, a I want to say an Italian Jewish kid who ends up being the chauffeur for Hitler's right-hand man in, man in Italy and, like, puts him directly in the room with people like Adolf Hitler. Hmm. I think I... Yeah, so it, it could be an interesting story. Um, we got our first look at Sorshi Ronan in that Mary Queen of Scots film, and that's from a first-time feature director. So, you know, like, it could go a lot of ways, but Guy Pierce and David Tennant just joined the project as well. And Sorshi Ronan looks interesting in it with that long red hair, you know, kind of looks like Tilda Swinton. Yeah, yeah, I think that could be very interesting for her. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing her potentially getting another vehicle. Yeah, I, I'm so glad Brooklyn turned her career around. She's such a great actress. Um, Michael B. Jordan is circling a remake of a Korean crime film called A Bittersweet Life about, I think, a hitman who is ordered to kill his mistress but discovers he's in love with her and then shit goes down um it's direct it's i think the feature debut or the the live action debut of the director of kung fu panda <laughs> just uh you know like that's an interesting jump um i i'm glad to see michael b jordan potentially getting an interesting part it is going to be random seeing something that is basically you know like the equalizer coming from the director of like an animated children's film you know, like, that jump has not always been successful. Look no further than John Carter of Mars. Oh, God, yeah. You know, like, I, I'm glad Michael B. Jordan is still getting roles. I love him dearly and hope it's a good vehicle for him. Here's a big one. Glenn Close is still very overdue for an Oscar. You know, some people thought she'd do it with Albert Nobbs, but that film was kind of tepidly received. But um, she still got, what, her fifth nomination for that? And she performed Sunset Boulevard, the musical, on stage for years. And now they are adap- Paramount is adapting that into a feature film. So unless it just sucks, that's already an incredibly baity part. You know, the original was it's a big, big performance. It's the kind of thing that Glenn Close could really ham up well. And it's a musical. You know, that can be a hit or miss when it comes to winning Oscars. But I think we keep an eye on that as the film that maybe wins Glenn Closer Oscar. Um, Kate Blanchett, speaking of uh, Oscar pedigreed people, is starring in like a gothic horror film from Eli Roth, which huh. is, yeah, that's, you know, like Eli Roth and Oscars are not two people, uh, two terms you would put together. But Anytime you put Kate Blanchett in something, you have to keep your eyes open for uh, for major potential. 
So that, who knows, maybe that could be his uh, critical breakthrough film. Um, Obi-Wan, we're getting a standout Obi-Wan film for Disney. I only care if Ewan McGregor is involved. Yeah, I, I, I only agree. care. It's got to be McGregor. I'm going to be pissed if anyone else is. He was one of, like, the two good performances in the Star Wars prequels. And, yeah, they, but Stephen Daldry's going to direct it. That's random, right? It is random, but it makes me feel better because I feel like he would want to work with Ewan McGregor. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> true. Yeah, and, and, like, Daldry is a competent director, certainly. It's just, I he's not someone I ever would have imagined working with, you know, like... The director of The Hours and Billy Elliot taking on Star Wars is a interesting choice. But, you know, like, who knows? He, uh, he's, he's been nominated for, what, three Oscars? So he's clearly competent. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, the Art Directors Guild Awards finally created a category for animated film. Oh, finally. Long time overdue. Uh, usually animated films would get fucked here because they would have to compete for nomination slots with like sci-fi and fantasy films and there was something of a bias against animated films so you know like something like Coraline was nominated but you know it, it couldn't fend off Avatar in that category so it'll be nice to th- see things like Kubo and the Two Strings and Fantastic Mr. Fox and you know like even things with painted backgrounds maybe like Spirited Away get their own acknowledgement here and if they get an ADG nomination it makes them more likely to get a you know, production design Oscar nomination, which I still think could happen one day for a stop motion film or even just for a CGI film since things like Avatar can win this category and they're all CGI. Absolutely. Um, And finally, Anya Taylor-Joy. We liked her a lot in pretty much everything she's been in. She's reteaming with Robert Eggers for his Nosferatu remake. Ooh, that's gonna be sweet! I think that that is a perfect blend of material with director, and to hear uh, that Anya Taylor-Joy may be working with him again is quite something. Uh, Will, we're running a little short on time here, and I want to do our fans some justice by um, answering in some questions that came in a little late as we were recording. Uh, This one is from Danny M. at Cinema Paradox, and it's a long question, so he wrote it out, though, for us to answer here and the question goes like this hey guys um i've got a great game here for you we all know it is not easy to win an oscar so let's spread the love and take away an oscar from a multiple winner and give it to their fellow nominee from that year so the first choice he has here is daniel day lewis which oscar would you take away and who would you give it to in that year will god damn it God damn it. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, Can I take away Lincoln and give it to Joaquin for the match? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because he already had two at that point, and that's a great performance, but it's not the powerhouse that is early blood. And then Joaquin Phoenix, you know, I still think his The Master performance is one of, probably in the top five best performances this century. So the next one he has here is Sean Patton. Would you give it to Bill Murray or would you give it to Mickey Rourke? No, uh, oh, God. Hmm. I'm going to give it, as much as I love Mickey Rourke's performance, I think Bill Murray deserved a career Oscar, and I think that should have been, and probably only would have been lost in translation. Yeah. Mickey Rourke's career as a whole has not necessarily been. I think Milk is Sean Penn's best performance ever, so I would let him hold on to that. 
he's kind of hammy in Mystic River, you know. Here's that my daughter in that, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I, I don't really think that was an Oscar worthy performance anyway. This one's pretty easy for me, Hillary Swank. Um, I'd give it to Annette Bening for American Beauty. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then Tom Hanks. Oh God damn it. Um, this one's a little bit tougher, admittedly, but I think I would. Um, would you give it to Neeson for Schindler's List? Would you take away Philadelphia? You know what? If Morgan Freeman's still going to win that Oscar for Million Dollar Baby, um, and I don't have to give it to him for Shawshank, then yes, I would give it to Liam Neeson for Schindler. That 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 seems like a very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's the trade off we'll make. That sounds that sounds right to me. Uh, Oscar Watch Podcast. I mean, Will, we kind of alluded to this before. Uh, he's asking us, how does the summer of 17 compare to the summer of 16 in, ter- in terms of quality and awards? Yeah, I think it's a little... I mentioned this earlier, but yeah, I think it's a little bit better than 2016. I think they're both kind of disappointing summers. Um, and that's a testimony, I guess, to the fact that studios are spreading their films. Their prestige films are all going in the last like three months of the year, and they're spreading the, the good blockbusters throughout all 12 months. So you're just not getting the same concentration of quality you once did in the summer. It doesn't mean the industry's dying or something. It's just, you know, the release schedule's changed. But as far as awards, I only think there's like maybe three yeah. awards contenders that really came out of this summer. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's it's not a big one on that front. Uh, this one comes from uh, Hipster Pop Geek at Stephen M. Keller. Any thoughts on the movie Pass Price Drop? Opinions on con director's battle with Cinema Sins? Uh, movie Pass Price Drop. Very, very excited. Very happy. I signed up myself, even though I get to see a lot of movies for free, as is anyway. Sometimes I don't get to see movies for free. And for these instances where if I have this available, um, it's worth it. For $9.95 a month, you certainly cannot beat that kind of a bargain. Now, I know that there are some areas where people's theaters are uh, not available for, you know, X amount of miles. Um, sorry, I don't know what to tell people on that matter. But uh, for me, living in New York, it's uh, it's a steal. Uh, Kong director's uh, battle with CinemaSins, I really could care less personally it brought up a very interesting conversation i i i guess but cinema sins is not meant to be taken seriously and uh the director of kong skull island definitely went a little overboard and i thought it made him actually look bad in the long run so well isn't this the same guy who said like that wonder woman was reductive or something and it's you know, he went off on like some Twitter thing saying that like its portrayal of women was reductive, and then someone pointed out that it's not like Brie Larson in Kong Skull Island was, you know, like the. the I think pinnacle. my point is proven, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's someone who tends to come out on Twitter and you know maybe not always say something that's going to go over well. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a big CinemaSins fan, but I think his reaction was grossly disproportionate to it, so. Uh, Felipe Flores III, uh, Felipe Flores on Twitter asks, what are the chances of Hans Zimmer winning best original score for Dunkirk? Um. Slim. Yeah, I don't see it happening. He's won before. I don't even think he's going to get in for a nomination. Really? I think he's going to get disqualified. Oh, because they so heavily use that uh, pre-existing song for, like, repeatedly in the last... And that's used in the emotional climax of the film, and that's a manipulative that moment for our, our emotions. So, I, yeah. 
I don't think and he's even gonna... if he's not DQ'd, it's you know like it's not the kind of score that typically goes for a win. It doesn't really have hummable melodies. You know, it's very atmospheric. It works great in the context of the film, but it's you know like they might nominate something like a Sicario, but they are not particularly when it's more than just the music branch. They're not ready to give something like that the win. Yeah, and then the last question here, uh, Gordon Cole at K Bailey Java Two: Will Tulip Fever ever be seen? Yeah, I think it'll be seen in late September, but I I think it's just gonna drop without much fanfare and will quickly disappear. It doesn't sound like you know like Michael Schwartz was saying he's heard from people back when it screened in 2015. It doesn't sound like it's like actively very bad. It's just not that good either. It's it's weird that this is a film that they've buried essentially, you know, when there's a lot of similar ones that are maybe even worse that they eventually just drop on VOD or something. I, I don't know why this is the one they just aggressively feel the need to shuffle and hide yeah, for two that's years. True. Um, crap, we got more questions that came in. Guys, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta chill right now. Um... Uh, well, this one over here is kind of reductive. What's your favorite film of the summer movie season? We already answered that one. Uh, this one is from, uh, I can't say this one, Pod Gracio XO at Hello It's Paw XO. Do you feel that younger actors, actresses who find success with Oscar nominations at a young age struggle with finding roles after like Tatum O'Neill or Haley Steinfeld um, with music and doing Bumblebee spinoffs? I think honestly, even ignoring the Oscar nomination factor, it's just very, very hard to transfer child star status into, you know, like full-grown movie star status or compelling drama adult actor. It's, you know, when you are associated with innocence or with a certain type of role, it's just, you know, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is very much an exception. So, I, I think, yes, if you get, you know, there, there can be a mentality if you got an Oscar maybe too early or something, that can impact it, but honestly, I don't even think it's just that. It's just fucking hard. I agree. I agree. Uh, righty. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. We did our absolute best to answer all of them here today on episode 52 of the Next Best Picture podcast. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Will, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, and CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We would certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much for what has been a really fun summer movie season. We will be back soon because Oscar season is right around the corner. We will see you all next time. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.